this morning. So we praise you, awesome God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. What's up, everybody? My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been a part of this house. My wife and I have been part of this house for now 10 years, and we love it. This has been such a great season of life for us, and we love that we get to live it with you. We have been in this series 57. It's the 57 words that were written down in the Greek language that comprise the Lord's Prayer. And this Lord's Prayer helps teach us how to better commune, how to better connect with the Heavenly Father, which is a deep longing in our hearts. Like the hope is that as we go through this series that you and I will grow closer with the Lord, that we'll sense His Spirit more, that we'll hear His voice more, that we'll know He is with us. Prayer is a primary pathway for that to happen. By the way, if you're joining us online, what's up? Hope to see you soon. So uh, today we're going to talk about give us today our daily bread. So far we have covered our Father in heaven, how be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then these next six words are powerful. They're packed full of meaning, and I'm excited to dig into that with you. But first, let me ask you a question. What happens in you when someone asks, do you need help? If someone asks me if I need help instantly, nope, I got it. I'm good. I was reminded of this tendency in me recently while we were traveling. We are visiting family and we're loading all of our stuff back up into our van. And, and we stayed there two nights, but there's a mountain of like suitcases and special pillows and toys and pack and play and bikes and just a mountain of stuff. And, and I need to get it all back in my van. And so my sister-in-law grabs my suitcase and starts to walk out the house. And I was like, no, I got it. <laughs> Why? I, did I not need some help with the mountain? Clearly, it was obvious I could use some help, but I had a, something deep below the surface that was there, that came out surprisingly to me. And so I'm curious if that's true for anyone else besides me in this room. Is there this tendency in us to be self-reliance? Let's test it. I want you to look at somebody near you that you did not come with today and say, look them in the eyeball and say, I need you. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> but doesn't it unearth something deep within us? This like, nope, I'm not saying that to you. <laughs> Uh, it's true for me, and it's not just been true for us in this room today, but I believe this has been something we as humans have been wrestling with since the fall. We can see this all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. Eve is in the garden, and she is being tempted by this serpent who equals Satan. And he's been appealing to this part of our souls every since. But he, he offers this forbidden fruit, and she's like, I don't think I'm supposed to have that. And he counters with this, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Two lies that are embedded into this deception, into this 
conversation right here. Two lies that existed all that time ago and are still reverberating through the ages to us today. Lie number one, God doesn't really love you. Lie number two, you don't really need God. Can you hear it in there? You will be like God. You no longer have to come to him for your needs. You no longer have to depend upon him. You no longer have to have that sense of powerlessness. But now you can have it. You will be like God. And that is at the core of temptation, of sin, of our sinful nature in us. And so my hope today is that these words that Jesus leads us to will help shape in us a God-reliance and not a self-reliance. And to be clear, I'm not advocating to live life reliant on others. Like, there's, there's the idea of responsible living, that we have to work hard, that we make good choices, and if I make a mistake, I own it. So I'm not saying uh, that I don't, that we, that we live our lives dependent on other people. I just mean there's a difference between responsible living and being self-reliance. Self-reliance says, I don't need you. I have everything in me. It's I have all that, I, that I'm after right here with me. And that is not what Jesus is trying to stir in us. So I want to work through three questions as we look at these six words from Jesus. The question number one is this. What is Jesus teaching us to ask for in this third stanza of prayer? Second question. How does praying this prayer change the way we live? Third question what can we practice that will help us live God-reliant lives? And then maybe a fourth question, what if I'm gluten-free? Do I still pray for bread? <laughs> okay, no one's really asking that question. We'll just keep it to the three. Question one, what is Jesus teaching us to ask for in this prayer? When he says bread, there is a very robust, full meaning. And we can see the fullness of this uh, across the teachings of Jesus. There's three different times he talks about this metaphor of bread. And so we're going to open up three different layers when he's saying this. Because he's not just talking to the physical side of you. We are not just physical beings, but there's an emotional and there's a spiritual side. And you can't separate them out, but they all exist as a whole together. You can't separate them. And so we'll see resemblance of all three of those spaces in Jesus' teaching when he's explaining bread. So let's go through layer one. Daily bread equals our physical needs and desires. Martin Luther, he's, a, he's like a, a giant in, the, in church history. He wrote a lot about who God is and, and teaches us a lot about scripture. And so he's from the 16th century. He said this, daily bread means food, drink, clothes, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money and goods a godly husband or wife, devout children, come on, good workers, honest and faithful leaders, good governments, good weather, peace, health, law and order, an honorable name, faithful friends, trustworthy neighbors, and things like that. I love that last, like, let's just try to cover anything I missed, including air conditioning. <laughs> I was praying today for that daily bread. So it's much more than just actual bread, but we can look at all the physical needs that you and I have and realize that uh, we, have, we have some real need here. And I want to make this observation, maybe it's obvious, but 
your needs, your physical needs, they matter to Jesus. And for me, this was like a aha. For some reason in my heart, I can quickly think that Jesus just cares about my soul and the heavenly things. And then the physical needs are just like worldly stuff and it doesn't matter to him. Not true. Not true. Your physical needs matter to Jesus. He put it in his prayer for us to bring to him. And all throughout scriptures, we see people doing this, bringing their longings, their desires of their hearts before the Lord. Hannah was deeply hungry for some bread. She desired to have a son. And God delivers, God gives her Samuel, who becomes this mouthpiece, this prophet to the nation of Israel. The people of Israel had this longing in their hearts to be a great nation. And God did that for them. He brought that bread by making them the carriers of the gospel, this good news. The ones who spread out amongst all the other nations the truth about Jesus. They didn't become politically great. They didn't become powerful military nation. But God did make them the greatest by making them the carriers, by making them his people. Jesus isn't just looking to meet your physical needs, but there's a second layer of bread, which is our intangible needs and desires. Things like wisdom, wisdom from heaven, courage, endurance, patience, vision, hope, faith, love. Like moms, it's 10 a.m., it's summer break, and you're about to lose your mind. You need some real bread. You're, you're finding that right there is your hunger pangs for the bread of patience. Men, women, we're at work, and we have a hard decision to make. We're in real need for the bread of wisdom, insight from heaven. Or maybe you're carrying pain. You have some real significant loss and difficulty or disappointments that you're, you're existing in right now, and it's overwhelming you. You are hungry for the bread of comfort, comfort from the Spirit, intangible needs, physical needs. And thirdly, Jesus says this, daily bread is a connection with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus makes the claim that he is the bread. And for you and I, there's nothing that satisfies like the bread of Jesus. His presence, his witness right here. I mean, there's times when I can open the scripture and I read it, and it's like, pop, something blows up in my heart. It's this powerful revelation of his truth, him a greater idea, a greater sense of who he is. There's times when I'm praying or I'm sitting in silence and solitude and I'll feel this shalom, this presence of God that is overwhelming and I think, what is more delightful than this bread that sits before me right now? So third and finally, maybe our best loaf of bread is Jesus himself. He offers us that. Our next question, how does praying this prayer change the way we live? First, it transforms my heart from being self-reliance to being God-reliant. God, from the beginning, wanted to form this in the heart of his people. It doesn't make us a burden to him. Isn't that part of what stirs in us wanting to be self-reliant? I just don't want to be a burden. But he's like, no, 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 it doesn't make you a burden. This is actually a, a purposeful design. 
And you see this when he's bringing his people out of Egypt up through the deserts to the promised land. He very intentionally puts in something, puts something in place here to form a God-reliant relationship. Exodus 16, tell them at twilight you will eat meats and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So there was this daily practice of going out and gathering food and, and, and then consuming my needs are being met. I go out before the Lord again and it, it forms in my heart this faith, this trust, this interaction bef- between me and the Heavenly Father. And it's a boundary that he held firmly. Exodus, uh, just uh, four verses later. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and it smelled bad. It began to smell. As much as we don't, <laughs> I mean, if it's, that's me, okay? I'm out there, I'm gathering like pillowcases full of bread and I'm trying to race out there before you because I want to make sure I have enough for me because I'm worried that if I don't get enough bread that there's not going to be enough. I'm just worried that if I don't take in things in my own control that rely on him, he may forget, he may not care, he may, he may not provide. But he, he held the boundary like, no, 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 you have to learn. My people, you have to learn that daily you come before me and I will meet your needs. Secondly, this prayer protects us from becoming greedy. All right, maybe not you, but for me, if this was the first stanza in the Lord's Prayer, if it started off, give us today our daily bread, I probably would stop there. Thank you. But no, this is third. This is the order is third. So how do we start? We start our Father in heaven. So we establish this trust in a loving, close relationship. Hallowed be your name. I, I now establish your sovereignty that you reign and you rule and you're above everything else. Your ways are better than my ways. Your, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I now elevate your plans and your desires. They're, they're first. I follow you, my good shepherd. Then comes, after my heart has been properly ordered, then comes, give us today our daily bread. It's not that our desires and longings are just selfish, but if they're unrestrained, if my, if my desires are unrestrained, they will extend into unhealth. They will extend into greed. That is just the human nature. N.T. Wright puts it this way, our natural longings for bread and all that it symbolizes are not to be shunned as though they were of themselves evil. Of course, a genuine glutton must repent of desiring and grabbing more bread than is wise or good. But God knows our desires in order that we may turn them into prayer, in order that they may be sorted out, straightened out, untangled, and reaffirmed. We are taking steps from the chaos of our normal interior life towards an order and clarity which will let the joy come through the surface. So my desires to be successful, if they are unrestrained, will cause me to be cutthroats and slander other people behind their backs and to cheat and be unethical. But my desire to be successful is not bad. It just needs ordered. It actually needs a good shepherd to show me the way to the green pastures and the peaceful streams because left to my own, I won't find it with my desires. My desire for joy and delights, to laugh, 
to be happy. Those are not bad desires. Unrestrained, unsubmitted to his authority, those desires will lead me to overconsume, materialism, selfishness. But with a good shepherd, he's like, oh, oh, not, not that way. Orders my desires, orders my heart as I pray, as I bring them before him. So we shouldn't feel shame. We shouldn't feel bad because I want, want, want. You are not bad for that. But if I don't have a good shepherd who's leading me and showing me the way, I will. It will bring, it will crush me. It will crush my soul. So I want to I address a question that maybe some of us are asking. And it's, yeah, but I have prayed for this bread and it didn't come. That's real. Daryl Johnson, he's a pastor, author. He wrote this. What stood out about Jesus' ministry to people in the first century? Miracles, yes. But mostly that he was always celebrating with people at meals around tables spread with fruits and breads. And at one of those many meals, Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus sees himself as a waiter at tables. He sees to it that people are fed. It's in his nature. It's part of how he views himself. He takes on the responsibility to be our Jehovah Jireh, as the Old Testament describes God, the character of God. Jehovah Jireh meaning our provider. He sees your needs. He wants to bring the bread to us. So first and foremost, when we pray this prayer, it requires us to have that faith, to trust it's in his character. And yet sometimes the bread doesn't come like I think it should. Sometimes it doesn't come fast enough or I would have done it differently. But this is a place where I think faith and life intersect for me to come to believe, okay, I know it's in your character that you are good, you are loving, that you're faithful, and that you care about my needs, and that you are my provider. It's just different, right? It's different than how we see it. And I've seen uh, this is a place where we're called to just have faith, to say, like, God, again, your, your plan is, is probably different than mine. Your thoughts are different than mine. And I will continue to be faithful and ask for this bread to come to me. And there has also been times in my life where I've seen miracle upon miracle of God providing. Twelve years ago, I got laid off from a job out of the blue. Boss comes in my office and he says, we can pay you your last paycheck. And as clergy, as a pastor, you don't qualify for unemployment. Um, which is a little bit stressful when you haven't prepared for a loss of job. And so I go home, tell my wife, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed that I got cut. That night, the next morning I wake up and it hits me, how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to put food on the table? And we pray, and just wait, and pray again the next day. And that next day, Wednesday, I I go, to, I go to church and somebody walks up to me and shakes my hand. A teammate who served with me in the student ministry shakes my hands and is like, God told me to give this to you. I was like, oh, okay. Get home, $1,000 cash. Boo, yeah. <laughs> then that Monday, a few days later, we're finishing up our small group. All the families are leaving and one family stayed and slid a check across the table, $500 check. Boo, Yeah. And in a week's time, bread showed up in my house for the month, 
to pay for the mortgage that I was like, how are we going to pay this? And for some groceries for us to be able to make it through the month. Those are two miracles. I have others that continue to happen in the weeks to come of God's faithfulness, of him providing his bread. There's been times where people will call me up out of nowhere and say, I just, the Lord puts you on my heart. I'm right in the middle of a tough decision. Just this morning I walk in and there's a guy who the Lord brought to my heart. I prayed for him this week and I was like, hey, are you doing okay? And he's like, man, it's been a stressful, hard week. That's daily bread right there. That's the, that's the, the Jesus bread, right? That's the, the presence, the withness, the, the God, I, God sees you. He's meeting your needs. We're praying together. We're standing in this together, his daily bread. Third question, what can we practice to help us live God-reliance lives? So throughout this series, we've been taking each stanza and focusing on it as a, as a weekly practice, the whole house. We're, we've been praying each stanza every day. I want to continue in that practice. But as you practice it this week, praying those six words, give us today our daily bread. As you pray that every morning, afternoon, or evening, I want us to first think through this lens of I got to stop taking matters into my own hands. That might look like worry, where you've taken that need back and you begin to try to sort it through your mind and you keep ruminating on it and circling through it and you get spun up and you're, and you're trying to just control it and, and make it work, make it happen. I got to stop. Whew. Catch my breath. And then I want to encourage you to grab a plate, an empty plate. This is out of my, my prayer spot in my house. I take this plate and it is a real demonstration as it's empty, helping me realize that I need, I'm in need. I can't provide this bread that I need on this plate. And so it helps form in my heart that I am not self-reliant. It humbles me as a beggar comes before the Lord and say, God, I need bread. Like for some reason in my life, I have this ongoing fear that the bottom's going to fall out, that one day the money's not going to be there, I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage, I'm not going to be able to provide for my kids and my wife. Like that's a very real fear and anxiety that I wrestle with. And yet I found breakthrough and I'm finding peace by just saying, God, would you continue to meet our financial needs? Would you meet this bread in me? Or maybe for some of us in this room, we read an article or hear a news report about where this country is going, about the government or this or that, and we get spun up and it's scary and it's dark and we see that we continually are spinning out of control. God, I need your daily bread for our government, for the darkness in this nation, for all the violence. God, would you provide daily bread? So I bring my needs before my Heavenly Father. Secondly, as we do this prayer, well, before I move on to second, I, Psalm 147.6, beautiful passage. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. This gives me confidence and courage to pray us that when I humbly come before the Lord, I'm no longer being prideful in my self-reliance, but I'm being humble with my God-reliance that He will sustain me he will sustain you secondly we stop taking matters in our own hands secondly we start waiting on god if you look throughout scriptures you'll find over a hundred different times where it instructs the people of god to wait on god 
I'm terrible at it. I've not, my heart has not been shaped to wait. And yet there's no getting around it, people of God. There's no getting around it. Psalm 27, 13 through 14 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take hearts and wait on the Lord. Some emphasis there. A couple of things in there. I will be confident. I will be confident. I'm not going to present my needs to the Lord and then step away from there and begin to fret like, okay, what if, okay, what if God doesn't bring that bread? I mean, what if the finances don't come through? What if, what if the bottom does fall out? I mean, I mean what am I going to do? I can easily start taking that need back and start spinning it up and getting anxious. But I can be confident in his character. I can be confident that I will see his goodness, that he will provide because I have to wait. There's a gap between presenting my need and the delivery of bread. And there's usually a time of waiting. And so during that time, how am I? How are you? Can we stay anchored to confidence? Confidence in the Father, the good Father. A confidence, like when I was a little boy, riding in the back seat of my dad's car, if he ever took an unfamiliar path home or to the grocery store, I would start to panic. Like, Dad, are we lost? Dad, do you know where you're going? And my dad's words still ring in my ears today. He would say, son, just sit back and relax. Enjoy the ride because I know where I'm going. And your heavenly father is inviting us to the same today. My child, sit back and relax. Enjoy the ride. I know where I'm going. For some of us in this room today, we are craving this bread, the bread that we talk about as Jesus. And it's available to you through relationship with him. You come in here seeking God, you don't have relationship, you're, you're, you have lots of questions about God or a higher power. And, and yet right now there's just something that's like stirring in you, a craving, a hunger for that bread and and Jesus he provided this bread this ultimate gift to you and I by coming to earth he died for our sins and then God raised him to life and when he did that he he won he gathered the victory for us to have uh, freedom over darkness in order for us to have peace in order for us to be able to sit back and ride with him and so you can have that relationship with Jesus today by praying, God, would you forgive me of my sins, the ways that I've been self-reliant, and help me to follow you. I give you my life. By praying that prayer, it starts a relationship with God. We're all going to take a next step today by taking communion. The people of God have been doing this for thousands of years. It was Jesus' idea that we would come around this bread and be reminded that he is our provider for our physical needs, our intangible needs, and our, our need for connection with him, our need for relationship with him. So if you did not receive a communion cup on the way in, would you please just raise your hand until one of our teammates can come to you and provide you some bread.
couple instructions here. We practice open communion. So if you're visiting with us, you don't, you don't have to be a member of this church to partake in communion with us. You just have to be part of the family of God. Secondly, if uh, you're not familiar with these cups, there's two layers to peel back. The first one is a plastic layer that will give you the wafer. And then the second layer is foil. And you peel that back to get to the juice. Scripture encourages us before we take communion to examine our hearts, to ask the Lord to search us and reveal any ways that have been contrary to Him. And so we're going to take about 15 seconds here to invite the Spirit of the Lord to search us, to reveal to us. The searching of our hearts helps reveal my need for a Savior. It reminds me that I need His forgiveness. And so together as a house, we're going to say this confessional prayer. Would you please say this out loud with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Scripture tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So before we put this in our mouth, let's earnestly engage the symbolism that you are the bread, Jesus. There's nothing that satisfies. You provide all that I need. I am reliant on you. Let's take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is a, this represents the covenant. More than a handshake, it's more than a promise. It's a covenant that you can count on, you can trust in, that his promises are true. Let's take it together. Jesus, our bread of life, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your love that you are our provider for all that we need. And so we look to you, God, daily. We come to you daily asking for you to meet us with all that we need. We submit our desires to you and ask you to shape them and lead us.